Teresa, good morning. Thank you for allowing me to podcast at the Cathedral of Bars. <laughs> You're welcome. It's like Yankee Stadium in here. Does it ever get old walking in here? No. Never? No. I love walking in here. It's like my second home. Do you still get that feeling? Like, you know, they always say when, uh, you know, when you, when you were younger and you have people that work in ice cream parlors or candy mm-hmm. shops, you're like, oh, a week into it, I hate it. Are you ever sick of the liverwurst, the cheese, the onions? No. I mean, I never tried liverwurst. <laughs> <laughs> and actually, that was a conversation yesterday. One of my friends was at the house, and uh, he's like, this liverwurst is so good. And I'm like, it's the same liverwurst that makes Orleans, but he was saying it was sliced thinner at our house. Oh. My husband loves liverwurst. But um, he's like, do you want a piece? And I'm like, no. He goes, you don't eat liverwurst? And I'm like, no. He goes, you, I was like, I've never tried. He's like, come on. I was like, nope. I just, is, is there a reason like you it. won't try it? I don't know. I just, the thought of it, I don't know. But we sell a lot of it here. You sure do. People love it. My aunt, when I took her here the first time, she was flipping out. She never yeah. had it before. So she had that with the, the sleeve of saltine yep. crackers, old little, historic New York. Yep. Little you, cheddar cheese and hot mustard. You're not going to hold my friendship with Rafe against me, are you? No, not at all. I he, love Rafe. Yes. <laughs> and his father, Bart, how great are they? They're awesome. How good was it when he wrote the book about this place? Well, we were a little nervous what he was going to write. Really? Were you? <laughs> well, it's just the whole dynamics of any, you know, anytime you work with a group of people, guys, you know, 20, 30, 40 years, they kind of know a lot more <laughs> about you. And maybe some things you don't want mentioned because, uh, you know, Bart always threatened us that he was he was going to write about everybody, but he was going to make sure he was dead first. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's part two of Rafe's book, probably. That's the sequel. Yeah. So we're sitting here at 15th East 7th Street, which is, the whole world knows it as where? McSorley's. One of the most famous bars in New York City. Yeah. No, it is pretty crazy. We don't even have to talk. You can just sit here with the ambiance. Like, we just walk in. It's an early Sunday morning right now, and it's a weird feeling. You walk in when you're not seeing anyone here, no one behind the bar. It's like you get a little bit of chills, and every time you come in, it it reminds you of a different time you were here. What memory do you come in when you walk in here? Um, well, now I feel everything has changed, but um, I do I do enjoy being here when it's quiet, and it is crazy. Like, say, if you work a Saturday afternoon, the it's like a revolving door. The amount of people that pass through this place, and then you come in the next day, and you're just sitting here having your coffee, and you're just like, I wonder if anybody's going to come in today, because you can't even believe that that many people had the idea. Let's go to McSorley's today, you know. So it's kind of it's kind of cool in a way that it become it has become like a destination. Like a lot of people say, oh, it's such a tourist trap. But um, yeah, we do get a lot of tourists. I don't know what's going to happen now. But the one thing when we um, when we opened for takeout, you know, two weeks ago, I have to say it was probably one of the nicest Fridays because everybody that stopped by that day was a regular because we posted on Facebook just mm-hmm. to say we're open and. You know, people come from Jersey, Long Island, the neighborhood. So it was really nice, you know. And um, it's just, you know, it, it's a special place. And, you know, just I have no idea if it's going to, how long it's going to take to bounce back to where we were. But um, the good thing is my dad always used to say, just whatever you do, keep the doors open. And that's... Be- believe me, they'll come. Yeah. So before we talk about the history of McSorley's, which has hundreds of years of history. I want to hear more about you. Where'd you grow up? I grew up in Queens. What part? Um, Whitestone. Okay. Um, just a nice little neighborhood. Um, all girls in my family. So, uh, you know, it's kind of crazy that uh, my dad was like a bar owner and he was very strict with, you know, the first three girls. My younger sister got away with a lot more, <laughs> you know, but all girls school, you know, um, but um, I used to love coming in here as a young kid with my father. Um, I definitely was a, a daddy's girl, followed him everywhere, always had to sit next to him, you know. Um, but uh, I enjoyed, you know, just driving up with him and, you know, if the place is busy and, you know, he would just walk in and, you know, everybody, you know. Because <laughs> he, he had that thing, he had that way about him where you never knew when he was going to show up. You know what I mean? And all of a sudden, like, you know, guys would, like, straighten up. They'd pour a better <laughs> head. They'd stoke the fire, you know. So uh, he definitely had that impeccable timing, we used to say. So, uh, you know. Growing up, bar girl or club girl? Well, I liked both. I definitely, um, I definitely liked, like, I came in here a couple of times through college. Um, 
but it was a little weird because the guys are, you know, would know me and but I used to love ordering 10 and 10 and my friends were like tea, you know, like that's enough. And I'm like I just used to love saying I just used to love seeing the ale come to the tables. I still do. Um I never get tired of it. I just I just love the way it looks and the all the guys carry the mugs differently. Mm-hmm. You know, it's really funny. Like some of them carry them together, some of them can't do 20. You know, it's usually 16, 8 and 8. You know, my husband does 10 and 10, like, uh-huh. you know, like he keeps his arms out, you know, he just swings them around. <laughs> so I think, you know, I'm impressed by that. I did 20 once because he was like, uh, people would be like, um, you work at McSorley's, like when I first started mm-hmm. here, because this is going back 20, I'm here 26 years. So they were just like, you know, I'm tiny, you know, <laughs> girl. They just didn't see it. They're like, you, and, I'm, and my husband's like, yeah, she can carry 20 mugs. I was like, I can't carry 20. The guys Stop amping me 20. up, yeah. I can carry 16. He's like, if you wanted to carry 20, you can carry 20. So one day there was a bunch of guys at the end of the bar, and his mother was here. And um, she's very, very proud of her. She passed away, but she's very, very proud of her sons and, you know, whatever. So... It, like proud of Gregory working here and carrying the mugs so then the guys at the end of the bar ordered 20 so I was like Gregory <laughs> <laughs> you could do 20 and so I, I did it one time and I was that was the only time I did it where were your hangouts in the city growing up um I would say a lot of us used to go to I went to Stony Brook so a we came home every weekend. I was in Queens. My roommates were in, in Bay Ridge, Brooklyn. So we used to meet a lot of times up on 92nd and 2nd. I remember Ski Bar. Okay. You know, um, for some reason, we always ended there. And Brother Jimmy's on of the course. corner of... I remember, like, we had a couple of crazy stories, you know, <laughs> there. Um, we came down here, like Chumley's, we went a few times. There was a few other bars, Peculiar Pub. Like a lot of, I guess, NYU, um, near NYU as well, because one of my roommates, her, you know, they went to NYU, so it's like, you know, my best friend growing up and my roommate's best friend growing up, they were, you know, they were from Brooklyn, and my best friend and her best friend went to NYU. We went to Stony Brook. So it was kind of so weird. worlds collided with their no, bars. No, it, it was really crazy that they became friends and we became friends. So then it became, you know, just, but uh, yeah. And I mean, I loved going to clubs. I have to say, I just like I loved music. I loved dancing. Um, yeah, no, it was I definitely had a nice. Yeah, it seems college. like you had some fun. <laughs> Be- before working here, do you have any other jobs? I used to manage clothing. I was always in clothing stores on the Upper West Side. Um, I used to work for a place called Lonnie's. It was on the corner of, I don't even know if it's still there, (laughs) the corner of 71st and Columbus. And then I used to work, before that, was another clothing store, um, kind of like uh, Great Neck. So it was like maybe 15 minutes from my house. I worked at A&S. Since I'm like 16, it was always on weekends, clothing stores. That's where all my money went. So fast forward a little bit to 1994. Because you took a job at 94, or you worked a day in 94, but it was kind of historic for you and for this bar. Well, my dad, um, I think it was, I kind of wanted my own little boutique, and it was like, nine. I was at that one store since I graduated in 92, so I was probably working there from like 1990, and I was working with a girl, Melissa, and we always had this vision of like, wouldn't this be great if it was our store, and you know, looking into how much, a little corner spot, like how much, I think the rent, um, I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but I think it was like 5000 which was a lot then. Yeah. So, um, you know, we're thinking of, go down to the garment center and like, you know, I just loved the thought of like buying the clothes and of course buying what I would want and, you know, and then Century 21, TJ Maxx, like all these girls would come in with those bags and, you know, it was kind of hard to, like, charge, <laughs> you know, like you're a little boutique. And, you know, it started the, I guess, the uh, reality started to set in. And my dad was like, you're never going to make money at a clothing store. Oh. He's like, you know, he's like, you're never going to save money. And I was kind of like, and then um, when I was 16, I worked here for one year when I was in high school, just on Saturdays in the kitchen. And um, I would come in with him on a Saturday, and I would just help out in the kitchen. I'd get a ride home with one of the bartenders that lived, you know, like five minutes from me in Queens. And um, I liked it, but I never saw myself working here. 
because it was all guys. And it's, you know, you're watching all the guys singing mm-hmm. Christmas songs, and it just seemed like a big fraternity and just just being a young girl in the middle of it. I stayed in the back. I watched, but I never saw myself in here. And then uh, my dad was like, um, I remember I, I graduated college. I was already two years out. And he was like, um, why don't you come work for me? Oh, so he suggested it. Oh, yeah. Okay. And I was like, well, what am I going to do? And he's like, I'll put you behind the bar. I was like, no way. And um, he's like, yeah, you'd be, you'd be great at it. And I'm just like, he's like, you can work with Bart. And I'm like, Bart? You know, and Bart had a nickname, Brass Balls. Mm-hmm. That was his nickname. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, how, like, I just, I didn't, I was, and I just didn't see, I, I was like, what is he thinking? Like, you know what I mean? Like, and how old are you? 24 at this time? I'm 24. Okay. So he's like, one of you girls should learn the business. God forbid anything ever happened to me. Like, that was always his angle. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was kind of like, okay. And I used to love my father. Um, when I would hear him on the, because my father was the type of guy who didn't stand over people, and he would like, um, if he'd call, you know, when growing up we're at the dinner table, or you know, he'd come back from the racetrack, like he used to love going to the Meadowlands and you know Roosevelt Racetrack, and a lot of times he would stop by to see the guys at night, and sometimes he would just come home, and he would call the bar like you know ten to one, and he'd ask how the night went, and. You know, and he always had to put his two cents into something. And you know, if if they, they didn't weren't busy, he'd be blaming. You know, there was always there was always something. But I used to be like, "You go, Dad." <laughs> you know, he's this little you know Irish guy. You know, and uh, I remember one of his greatest phrases, and I I find myself using it once in a while. I remember hearing him say, "If I have to come down and babysit you, I don't need you." And I'm like, "Ooh, that's, that's you know, a badass comment." No, yeah. it is. <laughs> No, it's so true. And one time when, uh, just recently, he told me, um, I don't know what was going on here, but uh, he's like, uh, I think I have to go back to work myself. You know, he's 80 years old. I'm like, Dad, honestly, like, you cannot do that job. You know what I mean? Like, well, if you're not, if I, you don't think, it, then you got to be. I was like, I'm not going in and sitting across from the bartender <laughs> and babysitting <laughs> or babysitting in the kitchen. And he was kind of looking at me. I said, you never went down there to babysit and watch. I said, if I'm going to go, if, I'm, if you want me to do that, I might as well just stay behind the bar until you're, until you're ready to let me, you know, run the place. I said, then don't, you know, I'm not just going to not work behind the bar and just go in and sit there and watch somebody else, you know, because... So um, that was always his thing. So I, I used it back at him a couple of times. So in, in 94, when you took it over, what was the response? Because women didn't come in until 1970. So what was the response when this young 24-year-old girl out of college is now bartending? You know, a lot of, a lot of, a, we had a lot of regulars then. So at like, I was, fr- Friday was my first shift. So oh, there was always right, like. They threw you right to the yeah, wolves. Yeah, Fridays, <laughs> no, no, Friday afternoon was my first shift behind the bar. And then to make up my shift, five shifts, four nights in the kitchen. <laughs> so that's, I was kind of like, I, and I hate the kitchen. I even, even to this day, my husband jokes around that I don't even know where the kitchen is in our house. And I'm just like, huh, huh. But he's a cook, like he loves to cook. So I'm like, knock yourself out, go. Like all my friends are jealous. They're like, how does, like Gregory, I was like, just, just let him do his thing. Like, he loves, you know, if I'm making something for the kids, he like goes in and takes over and I step out. I'm just like, knock yourself out he doesn't do dishes so I'll do the dishes but um you know of course I can cook you know I watched my mom you know and um but it was you know the menu here is pretty simple mm-hmm. so it was you know and a lot of times I, w- I would come in at four so basically the hot special is whatever was left would run out and I would have to make burgers you know the chili and the soup you know just sandwiches I could do that but uh, a couple of times then when I had to be the chef during the day, like the on a Monday, like the roast lamb or, you know, I'd have to, I'd come in early. I'd, you know, I'd take my time. You, you prepped know, the station? I, yeah. So, uh, you know, I did it. You know, I thought it was pretty good. I don't know what, the guys never told me I wasn't. So uh, I'm not too sure about that. But I couldn't wait until, you know, a couple of times if they would say, oh, do you want to work the bar Monday night? I'm like, yes. Mm-hmm. And then uh, even a few nights on the floor, like mm-hmm. Sunday night and Monday night, 
anytime you know one of the waiters wasn't here I'd, they would like you don't have to do the kitchen tonight you know I'm out and my dad would always say um, you know like you work for me but now you're an employee and used to drive me crazy because I'm like I'm still your daughter <laughs> <laughs> I want no, some treatment when you're, when you're down there you're you're an employee so I'm like okay but um, I loved Friday afternoons like me and Bart were just you know, I couldn't understand what all the negative comments about Bart were because he was as charming, <laughs> you know. So, uh, you know, they joke around that they're like, you, uh, you softened him. And I'm like, oh, well, maybe you just didn't get him on the right angle. <laughs> when did your dad take over the bar? 1977. And he bartended beforehand, right? Yeah, from 64 to 77. So give me the lineage, because I know John McSorley's opened the bar 1854. And confirm this, because this might be an urban legend. Is it true he didn't like liquor and he only allowed beer? Is that, or is it more of an urban legend? No, there's, there's truth to it. His son wanted to sell liquor. And he said, if you want to sell liquor, open up your own bar. And it was, you know... Um, I think they dabbled with it a little bit because I know like in the 50s or I even think in my dad's time they had like, you know, uh, Guinness in the bottles. They mm -hmm. never had it on tap. Um, the rights to the ale were sold when it was in the McSorley family, so it's always been contracted out. Um, so it was John McSorley, Bill McSorley, and then um, Dan O'Connell. He was a retired cop. He bought the bar from Bill McSorley in 1936. Okay. And then he passed away, and he left it to his daughter. And so she inherited the bar, but she had her husband run it and then the son. So my dad worked for them. And uh, so 1974 is when um, Dorothy Kerwin and Harry... They passed away. I think they both passed away in 74. And their son, Danny, took over. And he was around the same age as my dad. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, they, they knew each other. You know, Bart was already working here. Bart lived upstairs yes, from, I course. think, 67 or 8. So I think he started here in 72. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, he's been here alongside with my dad. Um, you know, so he knew all those guys, like Danny and... And that's what my dad always joked around with me. Like, if I would complain about something or I'm like, you should fire this person. Or <laughs> and he was like, you know, Teresa, he's like, just remember it's a bar. And the, you have a great group of guys. And when I was working there, we didn't know who, you know, was going to show up because everybody was drinking. It was totally different times. So, uh, yeah, it, was def it definitely must have been a crazy, you know, like, those 60s and like especially even, around this area too oh, yeah. that time and just um like my parents lived upstairs and my mom is such my mom is not a bar person like she might have a glass of wine like she's not a my dad you know of course drank enough for <laughs> <laughs> but um so how'd you dad how'd your dad get the ownership then he bought it from danny the son okay the son took it over in 74 and he was a heavy drinker, heavy into drugs, and I just think he just, when his parents passed, he just didn't want to be around the bar business. Mm -hmm. He moved out to Seattle, and, you know, this neighborhood wasn't anything, you know, and it was like um, women were allowed in in 1970. They thought the place was going to go under, but, um, you know, it was still here. And I just think my dad, you know, he had three little girls. He, my mom, you know, was home taking care of us. And I remember my dad went into, I don't remember because I was only four years old, but I know he went into like a detox for, you know, whatever period mm -hmm. of time, a couple of weeks or whatever it is, two months, and um, said he was going to stop drinking. You know, I know he definitely had his fair share of drunk driving and, you know, like, when I think of, like, how my dad was when mm -hmm. we were little, little girls, but then, um, you know, he cleaned himself up, and he had the opportunity to buy the bar in 77. And, and jumped right on it. Jumped on it. Now, do you think by him telling you, hey, bartend here in 94, he wanted to, because, you know, you have no brothers, right? He yeah. wanted to leave it to you girls? Was that always something he wanted to do? You think he was grooming you for that? I wouldn't say he was grooming. I just think... Um, you know, my dad's my dad's funny. He never really says things, you know, like it's almost like he almost you arrive at that situation. You know what I mean? Like it's never it's if you have it and you go for it type of thing. Like he he kind of 
pushes me along, but at the same time, um, you know, he's still the boss. But uh, on the side, every once in a while, he would say, you know, you know, Maybe. I don't know how you do it, or you know, you know, you do it better than me, or you know, I'm just like, well, <laughs> different times, different. Any any but, pressure uh, taken over? Like, do you feel the pressure because your dad was such a figure here when he walked in? The charisma, the bar stopped. Like you said, every woman would uh, spiff you up. Even the the patrons would look. Oh, there he is. There he oh, is. Oh yeah. When, oh no, it's so crazy. So any pressure on you? You know what? I don't. I don't feel that type of pressure. And I think it's. You know, I think with this place, there's something unique. Just even just the the staff. You know what I mean? Like a lot of people, of course. You know, when my dad would come in, they'd be like, "Oh, Mr. Mar. You know, that's the owner." Or um, but I also think he was just a very charming, the Irish accent. Mm-hmm. The was, sweater, he would always wear like the sweater. Yeah. Like there's some, like I, you know, if it wasn't, if I wasn't being, you know. Recorded. Recorded. <laughs> I would tell you a really funny story about him and his Irish accent, how he can totally dissuade when I told him, please do not say anything. Let me speak. You know, something that was going on. So he's like, and he, of course, he had to come because he was the owner. And, you know, if I was the owner, why wasn't my name on something? You know, this is dealing with, like, uh, uh, I don't want to say. But so then my dad, and I was like, oh, and this is only a few years ago, like maybe three years ago. And I was just like, Dad, please. I was like, let me speak. You know, you're just with me. This is, you know, you're just with me. Do not say anything. And I remember the lady saying to him, oh, where did you get that sweater? <laughs> you know? So I'm like... And she was so mean to me, oh. this lady. And she sees my dad, you know, just being himself. And he's like, oh, this this is an Irish sweater, an orange sweater. And she's like, I love it. And he goes, bullshit story. He goes, um, this was my uh, grandmother's sweater. <laughs> I, like, he, he was just in Ireland, that, you know, and he's there and just totally, he totally <laughs> melted this woman. And I'm sitting there and I'm just like, you, like... I'm like, you know, I'm like, please stop, <laughs> you know, and she totally was just like, really, it's beautiful. And I'm just like, I mean, it, I do love the orange sweater, but I'm just like, dad. So then, of course, that was another, you know, lesson on the way home that I get to like, you know, you got to learn how to talk to people. You know, I'm just like, <laughs> It's called verbal judo. You just yeah. you take it in. So I'm having a hard time even concentrating because of the stuff around here. It's it's a museum. It's yes. a museum of like family and Irish and history. But I want to talk about three or four that I know you get asked a lot about. Yeah. And I always love that people think the Houdini handcuffs are on the floor, yet they're hanging behind the bar. Yeah. So what's the significance? Tell the story of the Houdini legend when he came to McSorley's. Well, I, to be honest with you, I always thought the hand, the ones on the hand, uh, on the, the bar, the, the, what do you call it? The bar thing, the foot thing okay yeah the foot rest by the bar yeah that's you know i always thought those were houdini's handcuffs and i remember i think it was bart corrected Mm me he's like houdini's are hanging on the ceiling and i'm like we have another set of handcuffs like (laughs) (laughs) how many handcuffs are at this place and that's why i always feel like bart i would say he probably knows the most Mm -hmm. you know um actually there's a few guys that know a lot but i remember bart's like you know correcting me and houdini handcuffs are up there dan o'connell put his handcuffs there because he thought houdini's would get stolen mm-hmm. i was like i ne- my dad never told me that story never did <laughs> so what's the story when houdini came in here that one night he supposedly came in here um you know it was like handcuffed him to the bar and he got you know it was like if you get out you know the handcuffs you know they were dang they were left there and dan o'connell supposedly didn't want to leave them there so he hung them from the ceiling put his handcuffs and Dan was the cop right yeah so the cop arrested Houdini said see if you can get out of these and I believe those were those are Dan O'Connell's handcuffs when he retired from the police department and it was funny one night um I'd say it's maybe two years ago so customers put another set of handcuffs over here and you know the next day we're all trying to figure out who put the handcuffs so we just so we asked the ninth precinct to mm-hmm. unlock them because <laughs> we're just like did anybody not notice what was going on why are the handcuffs here? yeah so i thought it was kind of funny you know just it's funny sometimes what goes on here and the thing that everyone always talks about uh, before we get to the wishbones how about the chair that's hanging the, the chair because that chair i just found this out Teresa, two days ago about this chair peter cooper's chair yes and in a, a president sitting in that chair 
Yes, a lot of people think it's Abe Lincoln's chair, but it's up there. Mm -hmm. See that? Uh, it has all the stuff. Um, John McSorley and Peter Cooper were great friends. Cooper Union is about 100, and I think they just celebrated 150. So it was like, supposedly he was here like every day for lunch, and that was his chair. It had a special cushion in it. Mm -hmm. And it's like when he died, it was like they retired his chair, and um, they put it up there. But... Um, Abe Lincoln made his speech at Cooper Union, and in the logbook, there's supposedly like seven hours missing. It was like a snowy, rainy day, and McSully's only a few footsteps <laughs> away. So supposedly, rumor has it that you know they brought Abe Lincoln here. A lot of people say there's no way Abe, Link Abe Lincoln didn't drink, but a lot of people refer to his ale as a as not drinking, you know, so. And, and right above it is the actual uh, wanted flyer of John Wilkes Booth. Isn't that up there too? Yeah. That's and that's, that's not a re replica. That's the real wanted yeah. photo. Now, let me ask you this question because I'm a big, I collect old newspapers. I like weird memorabilia and stuff. How do you get most of this stuff? Because like I said, it's a museum here. There's pictures from you know, 1870. How that do you get was, stuff like that? Um, that was given to us by a customer. Um, we have the like authentication we actually just found it like a couple of, <laughs> like two years ago and we always knew like it's, it's funny um i think we attempted to uh get it um what do you call it appraised not not appraised C certified C like to show it's yeah. authenticated and um basically you can't even take it out of the frame <laughs> because it's just going to uh like disintegrate yeah. right and go and which away. is a lot of this stuff would just fall to pieces if we so that's it's like i like to think of it its value is while it's here mm -hmm. you know what i mean um do people bring stuff to you guys yeah they do we i mean we really don't take anything because there's really no place to no put there's it. not every inch um, is taken unless we start putting things on the ceiling but uh it's yeah, once in a while we do. Well, you got the wishbone. Just give me the story with the wishbones. I know everyone knows it, but it's always such a... You get chills when you hear it. Um, they're turkey wishbones, and they were put up during World War One. Guys, before they went off to war, they put the wishbone up for good luck, hoping to return. And it's like, we always have like a Thanksgiving dinner, or not dinner, but it is a dinner, but we do it the Wednesday, the, usually the day before Thanksgiving. So it's like a tradition, but... Um, I've only heard of two people that have actually took a wishbone back when they returned. So I think that's pretty cool because it does validate the story because a lot of people think that that's something we put up there, we spray dust over, you know, those cans. Mm -hmm. And um, I remember when the Board of Health asked us oh, to... People were pissed about No, that. they were really upset. And I remember I came in that morning I was here Monday night with Bard and I forget who else was there, but I always I always remember Bart because mm -hmm. that's who I always worked with. And I came in uh, the next morning and I had to go downtown to either the buildings department or something. My dad came came in with me. He's like, "You go down and if you're not back by eleven, I'll open." So I pretty much had the bar set, you know, from the night before. Mm -hmm. I went downtown. I came back and I was working with um, one of the younger guys and. I'm just fixing up the sink, and I was like, "What is this stuff?" You know, and it was dust. And I'm kind of, and I look up, and I'm like, "Oh my god!" It was like two weeks. Or I'm like, "Who touched the wishbones?" And I'm like, "If my father, like, he, you know, because he, I knew he was here." I was like, "Oh my god, somebody's getting fired." You know, like I'm like, "Who, who would have done it?" Well, explain it. There was inches well, it was of dust. Ninety-three yeah. years of dust. Nobody touched no it. No one it touched like, it. it. It was historic, sacred I ground. I mean, you would get kicked out if you even reached for anything. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, oh, my God, who, you know, so my dad's like, what do you think? And I'm like, you did that? He goes, he took every wishbone off. He washed it. And everybody's like, your father's getting soft, you know. <laughs> so I'm kind of like, you know what? He did it. Whatever. So I was like, wow. So I remember, like, the next couple of days, like, Bard and Peppy, they're just, like, you know, grunting and mumbling and your father and now the Board of Health is telling us what to do and, you know, this, is McSor this isn't McSorley's. And I was like, well, you know, when the wishbones, of course, I'm always, like, the optimist, the girl looking at a situation. I'm like, well, you know, 
when they were put up, they didn't have dust. And the main thing is we're still talking about all these guys that mm -hmm. served. And that's every time somebody asks about the wishbone, we're just saying these are the guys that served. So to me, nothing has really changed, but it's that disturbance, you know? You yeah. know what I mean? I think that's, you know, because McSoley's doesn't change, you know? And um, it's so hard to change anything here. Like even you know, uh, one of our friends who wanted to sell hot dogs, uh, he's doing phenomenal now. And he kept asking me, put hot dogs on the menu. I was like, we don't add anything. To you. <laughs> you know, I think the last thing we changed on the menu, like, is the soup, you know? Like, that's the only thing that changes. If, if you would have told anyone in the world, there's a bar, in, and they have, like, these things with dust on it, everyone's like, I would never go in there. And yet when that, because that story was in the newspaper, it was all over oh, the news. it was all over the place. Like, it was he, crazy. I didn't, I didn't know one person wasn't like, oh, they, they should be able to leave that dust there. And that just shows how much McSorley means to people. Because if you would have said, oh, there's a bar on 21st Street. Yeah. And there's, like, dust everywhere. Like, oh, don't even go in there. And here it's like, oh, I don't care if it's, because the wishbones are hanging where they serve the beer. Yeah. So everyone's like, oh, I don't care if there's dust in there. Like, the history of it. People were in an uproar about that. Yeah. That was crazy. Well, the one thing that I think of and because, um, like, you know, when you have the Board of Health come in here and, you know, every once in a while they're like, uh, I think you should dust because they just feel it's bit like it's old and, like, dusty. I mean, we got written up for the fish yeah. not having <laughs> excessive dust. The canes, the, those canes have been up there 150 years. You know what I mean? So, you know, sometimes we put the blower on things, but everything is so fragile and it's like, you know... It's like you don't want to, you know, you dust a little, but the main thing is this thing. So now we know, and once it's in the computer, mm -hmm. it's like they look up the wishbones. And, but, um, you know, it, the one thing is it's a small place, so it's like, you know what? If you don't want to come here, you don't come here. You know what I mean? Luckily, there's enough people in this world, in this city, that frequent, and, you know, there's plenty of other bars to go to. And, but this, you know, this place, it's, it is what it is. It's not more, it's not less. I read a thing. I know you, your dad's bartend 64. You bartended in 94. Your son bartends. If it wasn't in 2014 and continued to four, you did something wrong. So when did your son stop bartending? My son, well, no, I just had him a few days behind oh, the bar. Yeah. You should just continue the fours. That's what you oh, need to no. do. Well, you did it all wrong. <laughs> well, actually, it was just uh, this past, um, what do you call it? Uh, he was a senior in high school, so he get out at one o'clock. So I'm like, you know, why don't you come meet me in the city mm -hmm. and you know hop behind the bar Wednesdays and Thursdays? Because it's not crazy busy, mm -hmm. but I was like, you know, um, and it's funny because we would only do like maybe two kegs, and he's just like, it was busy today, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, busy? You think that was busy? Did you he know? love it? Did he love it though? Oh yeah, no, he was—he's a social butterfly. And the funny thing is, one day, I—you know—he was—he was, he was talking. He loves football. He loves sports. So I don't know who was here. Some guy that played for um, what do you call it? The uh, uh, what's um, Giants, Jets? No, he's played for uh, the Cowboys and transferred to the Giants. So. My son recognized him. I just, you know, a lot of times, you, just because a guy's, a, you know, big guy, 6'2", you know, you can't always assume that they, <laughs> I've made the mistake of assuming that they play football or, and they're like, <laughs> but my son recognized him and he went out and he sat down. And then he was there for like 15 minutes. And I'm looking at him, I'm like, Matt. And he's like, what? I was like, you're at work. You're an employee and here. Like, oh, so I'm like, and he's like, no, I was talking to that guy so interesting, you know, and I was talking to him about this, that. And I'm like, okay, I get it, but, you know, it's only there's only the one waiter on the date shift. So when you get busy, you're like, <laughs> you know, you're here to wash the mugs for me. <laughs> like, let's go. And, uh, no, he's he definitely, um, you don't stop when you're here. Mm -hmm. Like, whether you're on the floor or the bar, when you get busy, you know, as much as you want to chit-chat with people, like you piss off the guy on the taps or you're not bringing the empties in, you know, like, let's go, you know. So um, You guys got a well-oiled machine here, so if there's a clog in it or something, that's what happens. Yeah. Uh, you're married. Where'd you meet your husband? Please tell me here. Well, I didn't. I met him because of this place. He would come here to drink and you met him? No, I didn't meet him. My dad met him first. 
and he kind of like hooked you guys up? Yeah, uh, it's very, very strange. Um, Let me hear 19, this arranged marriage. It was 1994. Actually, my mother-in-law totally thinks it was. <laughs> you met, she met your father. Met my son and thought he was the perfect, <laughs> you know, guy for my daughter. You know, for his daughter. But um, my husband uh, loved McSorley's and. Um, he has two older brothers that used to come here in like you know the 80s. We're all from the same neighborhood, but we didn't know each other. And he studied art. He always wanted, you know, he's an artist. Always wanted to be an artist. And he went to school in Boston. And he moved back to New York in '94. And he was supposed to go to the New York Figurative School of Art, like for a graduate program. Mm -hmm. And um, it was like 15000 a year, and he only got like a $2,500 scholarship, and he was kind of like, do I really need to, you know, stay there another two years? You know, I, I kind of know what I want to do and say and blah, blah, blah. So he came to McSorley's that day, and just, you know, that morning, mm -hmm. he had his portfolio, and he, oh, had, he's a, smooth. He's he good. had a light and dark and a cheese plate. And he was talking to another gentleman at the end of the bar. My husband's um, very social and um, talks to, you know, wherever he is. You know, he's always making friends. So um, my dad had used, used to come in early in the, you know, like 11, 12 o'clock. And my dad came in and, you know, said hello to the one guy at the end of the bar and then saw was talking to my husband and then asked him what he does and he says you know he's an artist and you know very proud of himself yep. and he does portraits and so my dad was looking at his work and he's like oh you know i'd love to have a portrait of my daughter so of your course, dad is smooth this is my good. my dad is like or greg is like sure you know whatever and this was august <laughs> of 94 and i remember because i already i was working here since february of 94 okay so i was you know, one day behind the bar, four nights in the kitchen. Of course. And my dad comes home, and he's like, um, I met a really interesting man today. So I'm like, yeah. And he's like, I'm going to have a portrait done of you. I was like, a portrait? I was like, Dad, please. And he's like, no, no, no. And he's like, I just want you to know, you know, when I'm dead and gone, how much I appreciated you for, Aww. you know, following in my footsteps. And I'm just like, you know, of course, I'm like, thanks, Dad, but please. You know, I was like, they will make such fun of me. Oh, like, they would kill you because at the bar, they, yeah. They, they already it, were like, yeah. oh, you're going to get your, like one of the guys was like, you're going to get your hands dirty, you know? Because <laughs> I was always like, um, as much as I'm a hard worker, there's a side of me that, you know, uh, is like the lady of leisure, <laughs> you know? <laughs> like, it's like people who know me outside of mix, they're just like, I can't believe you work. They just don't see like mm -hmm. the two, but it's like, it's me. You know, I'm very good at what I do, and I'm a hard worker, but then there's a side of me that I'm just, I'm, so I'm very comfortable in the art world and, you know, the paintings, and, like, when one of my sisters came, uh, came to my house one day, and it's all art. And she's just like, you are like in your own little world here. <laughs> you know, it's, it's just, it's, it's really funny. Uh, it's like two worlds, like the fantasy world and then the reality, the hard work, you know, <laughs> bar business. But um, my, I was like, oh, God. You know, so my dad's like, not now. You know, everything was always after, after the, um, the busy season. And the busy season is, you know, after Christmas. Mm -hmm. So um, Gregory had, like, contacted my dad a couple of times and I just was like... Now, did Gregory ever see you before he knew who you were? No, no. Okay, okay. Um, but uh, the guys kind of knew, like, oh, I'm going to have our portraits done, you know, Bart especially. Like, oh, you know. So I'm like, all right, I'll do a Friday morning, and I'll meet him a Friday morning at, like, 9.30 before everybody else gets here. And so I they can't make fun of you, too. It's, yeah. yes. No, I was just like, get in, get out, you yeah. know? So I remember Bart was here, and... Um, Gregory comes in and he comes in and he has like a blue blazer on and his little portfolio and he's a young guy. I'm expecting Of course an old an McSorley's old, guy. You know, creepy, you know, like I'm just like I'm way too smart for you. <laughs> you know, yeah, of and course. I, I'm just going to do this because Daddy it's said my so. dad's wish and you know, so I remember um I sat down at that table and he's like my name's Gregory and I'm like Teresa and 
he's like, you know, I'm here to paint your portrait. And I'm like, yes. And he's like, you know, I would like you to stand here. And I'm kind of like, do we have, to, can you just take a picture maybe and just fill me mm -hmm. in? Like, I really don't want to do it. You know, I really don't want to be here, yeah. you know, doing this. Like, I was like, it just, you know. And uh, of course, he's just like, no, like, I'm commissioned to paint your portrait. <laughs> like, he's like, you're going to stand here yep. in front of everybody and you're going to, you know. So, um, you know, he did a couple of sketches and, you know, I know that they were just like totally, I mean, <laughs> loving every minute of it. And I'm just like, you know, I'm just like, oh, you know. So the funny thing is I met him at his studio and his studio, I was like, I can't believe my dad's like, Tom, yeah, go to his studio. <laughs> and I'm just like, because my dad was very strict mm -hmm. with us, you know. And I'm just like, and the only reason why I went is because it was literally down the block from where my best friend growing up, her husband owned a club in Astoria. And, you know, we would go there since we're like 16, 17 years old, you know. And um, so I knew exactly, you know, I knew the building and I was like, okay, you know, so I remember it was like those gates remind me of the freight elevator. And I remember walking in, it was just this big 2,000 square foot, just all gray. And there was a couple of paintings and... You know, I would just go in and, you know, I'd sit there and I wouldn't say a word and just, you know, it was like pastel, like he was just doing like a, you know, a face, you know, like study. a silhouette, yeah. And um, I went there like maybe four or five times, you know, and I remember, and I thought it was done. And he's like, no, that's the study. And I'm like, he's like, your dad wants an oil painting. And I was like, oh my God, like this is just. <laughs> So then, but when he, I'll show you a picture of it on my phone, because I have it. But um, I was just like, when it was done, I was like, wow, like that's, you know, and I was very like, it was in my white shirt that I always wear at the bar. And I was just, didn't, you know, it was very like, my friends say, it's not you, it's very stoic. Like, but I was, I was just very serious, you know, I, I, and I'm, I had my dad like never bother a man while he's working, you know, let him do his thing, you know. So... The funny thing is, um, Gregory actually grew up just a few blocks from where I live. I went to an all-girls school. He went to the all-boys school, like with St. Agnes, Holy Cross. We graduated the same year, but we never knew each other. We knew a lot of the same people, but I didn't really hang out. I mean, my dad would never allow any of us to like just gather by the park. Like He was always like, I don't want to see any of my girls you know, over there. And I was just like, I'm, I was like a cheerleader in eighth grade, and it was just like home by eight. You know, I was just like, there was just like no, like he just, you know. But um, yeah, so then I was just, I we became really good friends, mm -hmm. and then he was stopping by, and everybody's like, there's definitely something going on between you two. And I'm like, no, I'm not. He's just painting 80 pictures of me. It's no big deal. It's, Don't worry. That's it. But um, it was, yeah, I would never, ever have thought that that's the guy that I would have married. It's just, it's just weird, and yeah. it is because of my dad. How do you actually? I want to hear how he asked you out after coming in here, probably stalking you for a while, because you know he didn't want to drink that much beer. So how do you? How do you? No, that out? that was never a problem for him. <laughs> I mean, sometimes I'm. <laughs> um, I don't know. It was just. Uh, I think he just he just because also um, being a girl, like especially in McSorley's, and just all the guys like my dad would be like um, a lot of guys are probably going to pay attention to you because you're the only girl there. Like, you know, he's always mm -hmm. like, don't, you know, like, don't give the guy. And his reason was he didn't want me to make the job harder for the guys that worked here. That was his thing. Like, if guys were, like, hitting on me and I'm, like, flirtatious mm -hmm. and, you know, I'm adding to the, you know. So I was always very, like, about my business sure. here. Like, you know, and I think it also helped that I was wearing a white shirt and a garbage bag. <laughs> like, you know, I wasn't this, uh, you know, in a tiny little tank top, you know, behind the bar and just causing all, you know. Havoc over there. Yeah. So, um, no, it was weird. And I just thought, you know, like with my husband, I just thought it was just the, you know, you just think sometimes it's the the flirting and, you know, this and that, but it's not going to last, mm -hmm. you know. So I always was like, you're the last person for me, <laughs> you know. Artists, no thank you, you know. But um, it's weird. I guess there's a side of me that, you know Where, where's that portrait now by the way i have one in my house and one is in my parents house he painted but, two for you yeah i'll show you the one at the pastel and the funny thing is i wanted it so much um and he was basically like you can have it if you marry me 
Oh, so this this like, guy is smooth. <laughs> oh yeah, he no, walked around with a portfolio, <laughs> painted you to whatever he wanted. That's see, I'm married now. When I was younger, I should have lied and said I was a painter. I could have got girls back to my place, said I was going to paint them. Yeah. One last thing with everything going on with COVID and lockdown and everything going on, how are you guys dealing with this, staying on your feet and stuff? It was. I mean, it's been crazy busy up until like. I mean, it was St. Patrick's weekend, mm-hmm. and I remember when they said that fifty. Uh, uh, the fifty percent capacity went that Friday uh, before Patty's yes. Day, and we were getting a little nervous Saturday because the Saturday before Patty's Day is ridiculous. And we're that's just like the like, Holy Grail coming here, no, really. And yeah. we're just like, you know, you have groups of guys, you know, one group of like twenty guys, and we're just like thinking, like, how are we going to tell people, you know? And the funny thing is, a lot of people didn't come, so we were kind of like, okay, we got by, you know, this crazy... Because we always feel like we're always going to be one of the first places as an example, you know what I mean? Just because the name and just if you if, if something is, you know... So um, the funny thing is, it wasn't really that busy, and then Sunday wasn't, you know, we're like, okay, maybe... Su- and Sunday was kind of off, and then monday night i remember monday night they did the thing at eight o'clock and yes. i remember i came in here bart was here monday night and there was like maybe 15 20 people and there was like a camera guy and he was taking pictures of like the last day of mcsoley's and oh. i'm kind of like it is not the last day but you know you just kind of like and i'm just like you know my dad just passed i'm like all oh, this is happening and i'm also thinking like okay this too will pass mm-hmm. you know so um you know Tuesday we opened for just takeout and actually my husband came in put a sign outside corned beef sandwiches <laughs> like and you know it actually wasn't a bad day then we did Wednesday Thursday and then you started to feel like people were really getting upset you know like oh. even just being open so we're like you know what let's close for the two weeks see what's going on you know and then the whole, you know, then that brought into April. And then April, it got really crazy. And we're like, you know what? We're glad we're not open. Mm-hmm. You know, we'll just lay low. And then May came. And it's just like, like it took a good two, three weeks for me to just be like, because I'm here Wednesday through Saturday. Like, I leave at 8. I get home at 7.30. And, you know, like, um, McSoley's, McSoley's, McSoley's. And um, it's just weird. Like, my whole life, you know, and then, you know, with my dad and, like, you know, doing the books and, you know, and just paperwork, you know, even for helping my mom with everything, you know, like, that you do after somebody passes. It was just, it, you know, and in a way I was kind of glad, like, I didn't have to be here because it kind of made me focus, mm-hmm. you know. And then I have two boys, 17 and 15, so it was kind of nice to be home mm-hmm. with them too. You know what I mean? Like, I felt, I felt like it was kind of like a you know like kind of a way to also grieve you know be with my boys be at home for my mom because everything happened really fast and now it's like so we opened two weeks ago and then it's like the protesting and the you know so it's like you just you still feel like you know what it's not ready yet like all of this that's going on in life just has i feel like everything is just coming up from the surface and it's it's gonna settle, but I just think things are just gonna be different. And I even think they're gonna be different here. I don't really know how or what's gonna be different, but I definitely feel like we're gonna have to adjust just however, like, I just feel like it's gonna be a while before it's the McSoleys that I remember. That everyone remembers. Yeah. No, but are you guys, aren't you guys doing takeout of growlers? What, what exactly are you doing? We're just, I mean, you know, we just sell the, the cup, 16 ounces. Mm-hmm. We're not even doing, like, you know, two cups because, you know, you technically you can't really stand outside. Like, Ugh. So we just do the one size, and then um, we, we're selling the growlers. And those have been great. But basically it's, like, just 24 hours, so it's 16, 64 ounces. Mm-hmm. So it's, like, you know, people in the neighborhood or, you know. And people just want to support also. And yeah, just like, hey. no, and that's, that's, I think, the really nice um, – it's really nice. Ready to finish up with some quick, uh, quick hit questions? Yeah. Here we <laughs> go. Coolest piece of memorabilia or your favorite piece of memorabilia in here? Mine, I I love the. I think I just love the tap heads. Really? Because isn't yeah. that one of of Mr. I just McSorley? think it's cool. Like the yeah, the they're just the they're there since like the forties. I just think that's. I don't know. I just there's something about it. I just maybe because that's where the ale flows to. I just there's just I feel like that's like the whole life of the place that that ale flowing. 
I have a lot of athletes and authors and celebrities on, and I always ask them the coolest person in their phone if they texted them, like to impress everyone at the bar. But I'm going to ask you, who's the coolest person you met here that came in here? Oh, wow. Who's the coolest person? Like you want to name drop, like, oh, so-and-so was in McSorley's and I met him or her. Um, let me think for a second. That's actually a very good question. Um, I know. Well, I can no, say one of the the funny stories. Yeah, of course. Let's go for it. The first times was... Um, Colin Farrell, oh. right? This is going back like 20 years, and I had such a crush on him. <laughs> and I remember he came in, and he was sitting at the second table, and it was like eight people. And I was working with Bart, and this other guy, Richie, and another guy, Richie. And I'm like, oh my God, that's Colin Farrell. And they're like, who? <laughs> and I'm like, no, you don't understand. You know, he had the black hair. And I was, you know, the Irish accent, and I'm just like, oh, my God. And, you know, of course, he wasn't as big, you know. Actors always are a lot smaller in person, you know, thin, you know. So I was just like, so he was outside smoking a cigarette. So um, I'm like, Bart, do you need anything tapped? (laughs) (laughs) So Bart's like, oh, and uh, what about Gregory? (laughs) And I'm like... So it's you know I went out to excuse me I gotta go tap the kegs and I remember he said something to me and for some reason this I was and I and I guess that whole you know like meeting celebrities like sometimes uh, like Leo DiCaprio came in here another time and I didn't recognize him and there was like nine of them and this is just recently and one of two girls at another table were like that's Leo DiCaprio. And me and Richie, we're like busy. It's a Thursday. We're like, that's not Leo. Like, you know. And then all of a sudden he goes to pay and he went to give a credit card. But we didn't really pay. We're like, cash only. (laughs) (laughs) Did you see the sign, asshole? You know. And then we realized he came in another time and one of the other guys, Peppy, came out and like gave him like a big hug. Like, you're not leaving without saying hello to me. And we're just like, it is freaking Leo. Wow. (laughs) You know? Like, so many times people come in like incognito with a hat you know? on you don't yeah, know yeah with a hat on oh, you don't know wow. so i think those were the two you know that i those are two good and names. i remember on a new year's day i was working again 25 years ago and it was matt uh dylan and i was just like <laughs> those are some good those yeah. are heavy names you just dropped and then i remember one day i was um Coming in to, it was four o'clock. I was coming in to work in the kitchen, and um, what's the the guy, uh, Brothers McMullen, um, Ed Ed Burns, that, married to. Uh, you love, don't you love my no, aunt? And loves I was Ed like, Burns. No, and I was like, Dad, you know, tell him, you know, because he was doing an interview here. I was like, I want to get a picture with him. So, I mean, I have a picture. I still have it, but you know, and then Matt Damon. All right, they, so you, filmed, all right. they filmed the rounders, and they had, I wasn't here, but they had to come back. So I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> so I was, like, taking a picture with him, you know. All right, so those are good names. So, those, yeah. Way better answers than I thought. Uh, did Elvis perform here? Is that true? I don't know. I mean, you know what? This place, even to this day, I hear so-and-so was here. Like, And I'm like, how come nobody told me? <laughs> Why you was know, I not informed? I would not, I would not doubt that he was that he was here i don't know if he actually ever sang you know i don't know that's how this place is mm-hmm. you don't know i mean there was a there was one time robin williams was on uh, a talk show and he had like a beard and um everybody was saying everybody was saying they didn't recognize him and he goes yeah he goes i was at mcsorley's last night i was there for six hours and so we'd go to timmy did you not you know like he was here he said he was here in the back table for six hours you know but you know Timmy was very much the type of waiter that really wouldn't notice (laughs) you know so it was just it's just really funny and that's that's totally how this place and we can read all about it in Bart's new book when we find out all the stories about you when uh (laughs) explain the sawdust because when you mention the place everyone's like oh the sawdust on the floor explain because right now there's still a little bit of it how does it work with the sawdust would you guys actually the same family the same company we've been getting the sawdust for like 80 years still delivers it and what's really cool is a lot of the old photos there's like um i think it's harper's bazaar 
a magazine article and they have a few photos like of we at night we line all the mugs up Aww. you know in the morning fresh sawdust goes down and it's like the same routine and it's kind of cool to see that of course still. It's, it's like watering the yeah. grass at yankee stadium when you yeah. see it how about 2 a.m you leave the bar you had a few drinks what's your favorite go-to spot in new york city to get something to eat me i go home but a lot of the younger guys yes. definitely have their spots but you go yeah, home. I go home. Yeah. Actually, I don't even work nights anymore, to be honest with you. But I would say, um, well, one of the craziest stories I remember, of course, it, you know, certain things stay in mm -hmm. your mind. Like, you know, I've gone over to Swift's with the guys, <laughs> like, you know, on a Monday night or, you know, after here. But that's going back, like, easily, I would say, 15 years. Because mm -hmm. I don't really think, you know, plus I drive, too, so I don't drink okay. and drive. But um, I remember... Um, like a Monday night, you know, all these guys going to like, um, there was a place, Mona's, that's still there. And it's down, you know, like Avenue A or B. And I remember walking there when, and there's all the squatters. And I'm like, where are you guys take? Because I never really ventured mm -hmm. that way or that way when I first started here. I was like, I was just on 7th Street, 6th, you know, I'd park my car. Like I'd just constantly drive around looking for a spot. But um, of course, with the guys, I ventured a little bit more into the neighborhood, got a little scared. But then once you go <laughs> into the bar, you're kind of like, okay, this is a great spot. <laughs> you mentioned crazy story. Is it true in 94, the Rangers win the Stanley Cup? Oh, my God. Yes. Tell that story, because this is like that my was, favorite McSorley yeah. story. Um, that probably solidified me just being like, this is, the, I, I love work. Because it was uh, a Friday and I started on a Friday in February, and then I remembered for March I really didn't work because it's going to be busy, you know, and I'm not up for that. Mm -hmm. And then I remember uh, the parade was that Friday, and they said, uh, it's going to be busy today. And I was like, I want to work, you know. So Bart and I are behind the bar. It's like 1 o'clock in the afternoon. The place is filled with range. Everybody has, you know, range of jerseys on. And the doors open, and... These three guys come in with the Stanley Cup, and I'm like, look at these crazy fans. <laughs> <laughs> Typical me, not knowing who they were, and Bart's like, you know, Teresa. <laughs> and he's like, because Bart doesn't get, you know, he excited no, about no anybody. He just, yeah. But he was like, you know, welcoming them back behind the bar and, you know, pouring the ale into the, you know, into the Stanley Cup, and I'm like kind of helped, like, Helping them and everybody, I mean, everybody was going crazy. I thought, I mean, everything is nailed to the walls. There was such euphoria, chaos. Everybody was just like going crazy. I thought the excitement alone was just, everything on the walls was just going to come off because that's how crazy everybody was just so excited when they came in. I dropped the cup. And, uh, but it kind of went unnoticed, except for the people that were around. But the crazy thing is, I think I was so shy after that that. I'm not in one picture. And every, oh. I don't have any documentation oh. that I was here that day. Bart, of course, is in the window. Um, no, it was it was definitely it and, was and exciting. The, the story said, I forgot what Ranger said it, that they filled the cup up, they dropped it, and they dented it, and had to send it back to the yeah. NHL to get re- yeah. to polish the dent out. Yeah, supposedly. And it was no one really believes that it happened here at McSorley's. That's great. Uh, last time you read a Yelp review about this place. Oh, I don't read anything. Good, okay. No. You know why? Because I I feel like, um, I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of positive, Most of the you know. Positive, sure. I don't I don't know why. I don't, I'm totally about, you know, if you don't like a place, don't go back. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I'm like that. There's so many places in this city that, you know, if we, like, even just, you know, with my kids and stuff. If we don't like it, like my husband will be the opposite. He'll like want to complain, <laughs> want to send it back to the kitchen. I'm like, you know, if you really want to do that, they might do something to it. I'm usually like, if I if they like something and I don't, I usually no, I'm not hungry. But I'll like, I have no. Once and in a while, we'll, we'll try, you know. But um, I'm like, there's so many, there's so many places. How know? about how about this one? So your father left the place, and look at it, nothing's changed. How about any change you wanted to make in here? Is there anything you wanted to do different? Like, I wish I would have blank in here. Um, you know what? No, it's so Good. it's so easy in a lot of ways. It's 
light and dark in a simple menu. How about this one? Just uh, obviously, St. Patrick's Day is crazy here. Rafe told me the slowest day of the year. What, oh. what, what do you think he said the slowest day of the year? <laughs> Super Bowl Sunday. Super Bowl Sunday. Is that true? It's, oh, it's so there's true. There's no one here, right? No one here. I, there is well, a there TV is a, back there. There is a few people, but it basically, it's always that day where um, it's just two people, and it's always like, who's going to work? And I remember Rafe was so excited because he's like, he got to work with his dad. And he was just like, I'll work Super Bowl Sunday. And, you know, because a, a lot of people like to go to Super Bowl mm-hmm. parties or, you know, some of the other bars if you're in a pool or whatever. But it's always been a quiet Sunday here. Like, it, it's, it's really funny. And it, it's kind of nice in mm-hmm. one way because, it's you know. Just, and how about this one? My wife and I, we were in, I don't know if we were in Hong Kong. So, I forgot where we were. Macau or in China. Yeah. And there's a McSorley's there. Yeah. Any? No. Because you know there's a McSorley's in Hong Kong. Yeah. And nothing. There they, was McSorley's in Liverpool, but uh, they copied. I mean, you thought you were walking down 7th Street. It's such a, it has such a name. And it, sometimes it gets me really, yeah, you know. Yeah, I, I would get fired up over that. But, um, you know, we're, it's so hard with this international law. And, you know, then we find, you know, you find out that, like, these big companies are behind it, too. Um, so in one way, my dad always looked at it as, oh, it's publicity. Uh, it's free publicity. Mm. Like, but I don't really agree with that. So maybe that's where I might be a little bit different. Um, cause it bothers me. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, you know, and especially like knowing how hard these guys work here and, you know, like everybody's like, oh, the place is like, you know, a gold mine. Yeah. It's, it's a good business, but Nobody's retiring. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like if it's yeah, I've so, seen some you know, of the bartenders. They're here forever. <laughs> you know? And it's kind of like the job where, you know, it you, you kind of get stuck because you are in the bar business, but you close at 1 o'clock. There's not too many places that, you know, it's almost like, like and especially me now, like I'm Wednesday through Saturday, and I'm the daytime, and I kind of I love it because I'm my own boss. Mm-hmm. You know, Wednesday, Thursday, I work by myself with one of the waiters, and then Friday, Saturday, when it's busy, you know, one of the guys come work. So it's like, I don't, you know, but it's work. Like, I mean, I'm tired when I go home. Like, you know, I'm just, but, um, so on that, just knowing how much energy and how much life and how much dedication and how many years, like Bart has been here since 1972, even though he's only here two days, mm-hmm. but like Peppy, Richie, my brother-in-law, Scotty, Michael, my other cousin, he just posted a thing on Facebook. Um, 30 years, you know, first shift in the mm-hmm. kitchen, you know, behind the bar. So it's like, you know, sometimes like all, I mean, all your hard work and then somebody can just copy copy the name. You know, it gets a little like, but I do believe that nobody can really recreate of this place. Not. You know what I mean? Like just the personalities, the staff, just the simplicity, because it's not too easy to open up a place and just sell, you know, light or dark. And and also have the um, just the the hundred and sixty six years like we've you know when you think about all the people like just people that I mean we get people every day that come in and say I haven't been here in twenty five years or you know that grew up in New York or you know when they want to bring people to New York you know just even if it's for a few ales in the afternoon that's what this place is so it's very um, I don't know I don't think that when I don't think that's a place that that to me is more the tourist yeah. trap. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like to me, this place on Seventh Street—it's been here. It is like it's a staple yeah. institution. I'll tell you, uh, it's so hard to describe coming to McSorley's if people don't come to bars. And I'll tell you the night—I know she's gonna remember the night we're talking about. My friend Luke and I came here with our girlfriends at the time, and it was a Friday or Saturday night. It's packed. Yeah. Everyone's in, the, in the, it was like a Thursday night. It's packed, and uh, everyone and the bartender's like, everyone, everyone, stop. This guy right here tomorrow is, is leaving to go to the military. Yeah. And everyone's like, what? And the whole bar stood up, and they sang God Bless America. It might have been 30 times. Yeah. <laughs> and then everybody's like, wait a minute. And then everyone stood on the, on the tables and sang God Bless America. And then so probably for two hours, it was just singing God Bless America, you know. And the star, I know, yeah. kids. Right. <laughs> and we went home like, that was the craziest thing. If you ask somebody, what would you do? We got really drunk, and we just sang national anthem. And they're like, what? But yet it was – no, I went home. I, it was I, the craziest thing no. ever. That's like that's what this place is. It's no, I so feel weird. like it's it's 
that, because um, like even when I first started, my husband would be like, so, and that's what I loved about Rafe's books, book, because it's that, so what happened today at work? And, you know, as a little kid, because I was always interested to hear my dad, like, talk about the bar. And then I noticed when I started working here, like, I would be like, Greg, you're not going to believe this, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and, you know, then the stories, like, he'll be like, you know, uh, then, of course, you know, he doesn't want to hear my stories. But, <laughs> but even my kids are like, so what happened today at work? You know, like, they just, they love the drama. Yes. Like, like what am I going to say? You know. Not that you need to, but give the plug because people can buy shirts and stuff on the site. So give the plug of everything for the bar. Um, well, basically, we just sell the T-shirts online. And, um, I mean, people love to buy the shirts when they come here. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of – we kind of still – I don't know. We haven't really like, – no, You haven't ventured out to that part yet. No, of, there's, there's something about keeping it – on 7th Street, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? And maybe this is the opportunity now when, you know, we're at that 50% capacity and if it stays like this for six months a year, you know, rebottling the ale or selling the, like, you know, it's all, I, I feel like um, it's going to be very slow, but uh, I don't really know, you know what I mean? I don't really know, but... Um, Sometimes it's just so much easier just to open the doors and let people make let their own people decision. come in and sell the ale, close up at one o'clock, and you know, be good or be gone. Be good right? or be gone, and yeah. Thank you so much. You're this was welcome. an absolute blast. I hope you had fun. Yeah, no, of course. <laughs>